Hey, good morning out there. Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Uh, we're live in the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Good morning, Edgar. Good morning, and hello to everyone out there, including we've got some new uh, listeners in Latvia and Lithuania. So welcome to the party, so to speak. And uh, glad you're all tuning in. As you know, uh, any questions, anything at all, um, please feel free to connect with us at info at truealignment.com. We're happy to answer and respond to all your thoughts, questions, anything at all. Good weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, beautiful weather out here anyway. Yeah, it's beautiful. So uh, we've got a guest today with us, uh, uh, Panakin Patel. He's the CEO of uh, IT Concepts. Um, and you're headquartered in Virginia. That is correct. Good morning to you and Ken. How are you guys doing today? Great to have you, Panakin. Yeah, it's really great to have you. You've got such a rich, interesting background uh, and uh, quite uh, quite a successful enterprise that you're leading, that you are a co-founder and leader of, um, providing uh, IT services. And so what we'd like to do as part of the conversation here, we talk about all things alignment, and that includes life and business, and we take the conversation wherever it seems to take us. So in this light, uh, Panakin, we'd love to hear your story and hear about you here today and and spend time talking about that. Uh, Thank you, Edgar, and thank you for the time as well. I'm excited to to talk to you guys about um, my background as well as um, the true alignment and, and what we've, the journey that we've taken in the last 18 months uh, with our firm as well and um, the, the amount of successes as well as some of the things to look out for um, as, we, uh, as you go down this journey. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about your, your origins and uh, your family and where, where, where you're from. Yeah, so originally, um, my family's uh, from a little village outside of um, Florida, which is a which is a minor city, I guess. It's not a major city like Mumbai and Delhi, um, some of the major cities in India. Um, but it's a small city uh, in um, Gujarat. And uh, you know, my parents, uh, my dad was a farmer, was a tobacco farmer, and had um, tobacco farms throughout the village. And um, yeah, my mom was home. Uh, and um, I still remember, you know, uh, most of my memories are from maybe about six to eight, uh, you know, five to eight years old. And I remember going to the villages with my dad, um, looking at all the mango trees, picking the tobacco leaves themselves and the smell of the tobacco and the rustling tobacco as, as we were dry and, and prep and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot different than, uh, than, than growing up in Jersey when I came over some years <laughs> later. How, that's a heck of a transition from, from, from farming through small villages in India to New Jersey. Very much so. Very much so. What were your first thoughts? Uh, I, I'm also an immigrant, and I, I remember and uh, just talking about with my mother last week about uh, first impressions and first impressions as a child. What were some some of your first impressions when you immigrated? Um, I remember. I remember getting out of the airplane, and uh, we landed at. Um, uh, JFK, um, John F. Kennedy Airport. And I remember looking at the just, you know, like I said, coming from a coming from a village. Um, very seldom did you see cars, let alone airplanes, right? So, um, just to be able to get on the airplane itself and, and getting out and, and just seeing the massive operation in the airport itself, just going through immigration. Um, I, I remember being very scared and lost, and and um, you know, at that time, um, we. 
my father was already here. So he was here two years ahead before, before he could call my mom and, um, my brothers and sisters. Um, and my mom, you know, again, uh, high school graduated, right. Not, not speaking any English either. So just, just, just the bustleness of getting out of the airport at JFK and looking for our father who we haven't seen in about two and a half years. That's actually the first memory I have of looking at him through the window. Um, there used to be this big class where, where you could see and he's tapping on it as he, as, uh, as we're walking out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just enormous size of the operation itself, as well as, um, the emotional part with my dad. We, uh, when we had relatives visiting, I remember that big glass window that you're talking about at JFK. Yeah. 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 I guess it was partly international terminal there. And yeah, you'd see people, you know, coming in. Uh, and That's I right. see my aunts, uncles, and my grandmother uh, visiting from Germany back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, what were your first days of school like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you know, um, we we landed in this community. It was called uh, Princeton Gardens, um, where my dad um, had some relatives and some friends of friends, and um, it was just a nice little niche community. So somebody assisted us in getting to uh, register to a school. And, you know, they're like, oh, just jump on this bus. Well, obviously, I jump on the first bus that I see in the morning where most of the kids are standing and go to the wrong school. I still remember this. Went to the um, middle school and uh, the principal had to drive me over back to Eisenhower and called my parents. And I thought I was in so much trouble that first day. But it was, they were just helping them understand that this is the bus you need kids on so so forth. So funny, Edgar. I had not thought of that story until... Uh, until just now, over all these years, yeah. So my first day, I went to the wrong school here. Um, but, you know, uh, eventually, um, just starting school, uh, not speaking the language again, um, uh, I was fortunate to have a, a um, who became a very, very close friend over time, um, another Indian boy, uh, just sit next to me and, and just translate for me and assist me very, very early on. And, yeah, we're, we're actually still very, very good friends. So this this um, this experience of coming into a a new environment is something that uh, we participate in over and over in our lives. Whether it's a new group, a new organization, um, just new contexts that we find ourselves in, and the dynamic of of that constant movement uh, and and learning new rules of engagement and th- things working differently than we may expect them to, or I have no idea, just even in the language barrier in itself, having gone through that myself, I, I can uh, absolutely have understand that. Uh, and it's like in any new environment, of course, even as adults, we learn new ter- terminologies, different different things that are said in different ways. I'd, I'd like to take you back again to that experience in school. Culturally, what were some of the big lessons that you can remember that uh, that you learned? Um, it, it sounds silly, Edgar. Just the restrooms themselves. Um, just being able to being able to go to the restrooms by yourselves and being able like our bathrooms were outside in the village. I mean, in school, bathrooms were outside, right? Um, we started the school off with exercise in the morning, where gym was in the middle of the day. Um, you know, being um our, our classrooms, we sat on the floor. We had desks here. Like, what? <laughs> I've got a desk to write on? Just, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, 
the one big thing um, is is the, the the teachers, right? In India, um, at least when I was going to school, and I'm sure things have changed. So <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not claiming this, um, but early in early eighties, uh, discipline discipline was a real thing. And um, being a lefty, I used to write with my left hand, and you got the switch, and until so you switch hands and learn to write with your right, right? So kids just being accepted for who they were um, was was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be told what to do all day, and I can go to the restroom where I need to. This is all right. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> An indoor restroom, let alone. An indoor restroom, yes, sir. Yeah. That kind of... Um, uh, and, yeah, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sir. I, I was going to ask you about that autonomy piece. Um, a sense of, uh, there's a different sense of autonomy at play then, isn't there? Yeah, very much so, right? Um, I, in India, uh, you know, we had, like, my parents or my mom walked me to the school because we were still children, or, you know, eight years old or whatever. Here, we just got on the bus, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, very much so. Very uh, much so. So did that concern you, that you have a sense of being alone, or was it a, an exploration, a sense of wanting to explore and, and uh, engage? Um, you know, I, I remember, I remember a lot of emotions to be frank, um, I, very much so exploration. I've always been an explorer. I've always been a learner ever since a child. Um, I remember, you know, ex- being excited, um, to be into the next group at the same time, like having a little bit of like, why did I have to leave my home and my family and my friends and like, how's it going to be better? Uh, you know, just, um. Yeah, just not knowing what was ahead and, and, and understanding how I was going to learn this language and, and, and be able to communicate with all these children and all these peers of mine, supposedly, that didn't feel like peers, that felt like everybody was sort of a little bit of looking down, right? The, the little new boy from India that doesn't know how to speak English and got jet black hair that sort of creased back a little bit. So it was a tough transition. So, um, Panakin, you know, what a, what a wonderful foundation though. Cause I can hear that you, you know, Edgar asked you about being an explorer. Um, you know, I, I know from, from knowing you kind of this intensity with which you bring things into your world and pay attention and, 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 you know, I can hear it, I can hear it right in that origin story of, of, you know, even just the, the plane, but also, you know, with your dad in the village and the, the, uh, um, the sense of the tobacco rustling, like I can, yeah, the amount of stuff that you're, you're taking in and processing, um, you know, that's always been one of the things that I am just, uh, I mean, I, my wife was asking me this morning, you know, who's your guest? And I was telling her about you a little bit. And, you know, I just said, you know, the one thing, Panakin's kind of this amazing story. And I, t- I told her that the first time that um, the three of us had breakfast together, I walked away and I looked at Edgar and I just went, wow, like, um, Panakin's a pretty amazing guy. I mean, how much he can take in and process at the same time and yet still be looking for more. So I just appreciate that part. I don't know, sir. Thank you. And, um, you know, uh, not to be jumping all over the place, but just that the work that um, I've been able to do with your team and Edgar and the last 18, 20 months or so um, uh, has helped me focus a lot more and, and, um, and for a better word, align. Uh, uh, my thoughts of, of not just from a work perspective, but personally as well. So, no, thank you for saying that, Ken. 
So Panakin, awesome. Let's uh, let's fill in some gaps here. So um, you know now you're you're fully acculturated and assimilated into the giant melting pot uh, of New Jersey. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, u- u- uber successful. Like um, what ha- what happens after school? Like you know you go on to college, obviously, and then and then what? How uh, tell us between there and, and where you are now? How did that happen? Sure, sure. Um, so you know, not having a lot of money, uh, I always knew that at school um, or college, uh, I'd have to help figure that with my parents. I was the youngest of four. Um, I had two older sisters as well as a brother. Um, and, you know, there there were some were both two my both my sisters were working. My brother was still um, doing a little bit of college and started working. But uh, knowing that we didn't have all the money in the world to, to pay for college um, and didn't want to be indebted to all the loans, um, I looked at the military as, as an option. And I had done um, junior ROTC all through high school. Um, It's something, again, I followed my brother's footsteps into. Uh, I still remember him coming home as a freshman, uh, his freshman year, and I think I was in sixth grade. Um, And, you know, he came in his ROTC uniform and his Air Force blue uniform. I was like, oh, wow. I was enamored by it. And um, I was like, oh, I'm going to do that when I get into high school. And just kind of kept that story and, and, um, you know, was was pretty successful in ROTC uh, through high school. I became the core commander um, of, of the unit itself and did a lot of cool things like drill team and just very involved in the Piscataway High School um, uh, ROTC program, um, which dear and dear to my heart. Uh, um, but that that gave me a little bit of foundation and I got to explore a lot with them. We got to go to West Point. I got to go to all these military uh, institutions and just do a lot of cool things. Um, well, then that translated when I started looking for colleges. I started looking for colleges that had the Air Force ROTC program. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to um, get into a university called Wilkes University um, in Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania, uh, and, and uh, started my ROTC program there my freshman year. Um, you know, uh, you guys know me for a little bit. I don't mind going out and, and hanging out a little bit and maybe did a little bit of too much of that freshman year um, and had to come back home to Rutgers. Uh, but I maintained the ROTC program throughout um, throughout college. And, and you know, I, I learned a lot about leadership and a, a lot about how to communicate and how to, um, how to just work with people and how to work with others, subordinates, as well as peers, as well as folks that are, that are well above my uh, rank. And um, I became the core commander of, of uh, our senior ROTC program as well in, in college. Um, and, um, you know, I still remember coming home senior year and uh, my wife at the time, Nirali, and I were dating. And it, we were filling out our dream sheet of where I wanted to be stationed. And, um, I, again, always been an explorer. I, I think my first was Italy and uh, <laughs> Africa. And, 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 and Nirali at the time was like, okay, this is pretty ambitious. Why don't we switch this around and put the whole state of Florida as your number one choice and Italy as your number 30 choice? So, um, <laughs> and, you know, she's, she's always been there just to provide the right amount of guidance when I always need it. <laughs> you, got, um, you, you received a. Uh, it sounds like you received a lot of feedback through just uh, the the system and the context you were in around your leadership. What kind of feedback did you get more specifically about that? What, what traits stood out? Um, I, I remember a lot of generous um, Tao, right? Like I remember um, the Japanese warfare stories. I remember a lot of the Chinese warfare stories. Um, uh, um, 
but more importantly, the, a lot of the leadership traits I feel like I picked up um, uh, within ROTC, again, were with drill teams and, and marching and, and just that structure of that uniformity of, of here's how, here's how we behave. Um, you know, waking up, the first thing I, I think I learned, um, from a leadership perspective, I would say is, is the discipline that, that was required to remain in a program like ROTC and, and the military in, in, in general, right? Um, we woke up at six in the morning and did workouts. I mean, you know, it's, tough to wake up now at six in the morning, but especially as a college kid, when you I'm might be, hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as a college kid, when you yeah. may be up to three in the morning studying or, or something else. <laughs> <laughs> I like the quotes. That's perfect. So, but, but I, I would say that was the first thing that, that discipline and, and being around uh, others that, that were disciplined uh, and focused um, on a common goal. Um, I would say those are the first things that I, I, saw and picked up um, from a leadership perspective. So, uh, Panakin, you mentioned kind of the um, Japanese generals. So I'm assuming like the uh, Sun Tzu uh, art of war plus the discipline plus the people. Like I, I, I can see that now. I mean, I can see it coming forward with ITC, um, you know, that idea. Uh, and I want to come back to that relational component of the you know, I knew how to get along with people. I knew how to, you know, regardless of the rank, which is, you know, in, in, in our military structure in, in the U.S., that is, uh, um, you have to span age, right? Uh, I mean, this was always yeah. the one thing, uh, you know, when I worked for, for the Air Force. Um, you know, it was the first time I, I, I was sharing with Edgar that I had to lie about my age to make myself older. Like, yeah. the only other time I had to do that was to get into the bars in college. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was that. But in the, but in the American military, the older you are, you know, and luckily I have no hair and white facial hair. So, um, you know, I just, they bought the lie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Panakin. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. Ken. I, you know, um, my first assignment walking into walking in and they're like, oh, here's, you know, you're going to, um, you're going to be part of the six communication squadron. And here's the group of men and, and women that you're going to be leading. You're like, oh, oh, oh wow. I'm, I'm 22. I'm 21. Wait, 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 what's happening? Um, but you know, uh, the first thing I did, Ken, is I found the senior enlisted advisor there and said, sir. I'm, and he was like, don't ever call me, sir. I said, no problem, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is your unit. I'm here to learn. And, and just tell me when the party's in the pizza bar and I'll buy. And, and until then, um, and, he, and you know, he, to his credit, he said, no LT. It, it may be that way but you're out front and, and we'll make sure that, that, that you have the understanding you need to make the decisions you need, but you're out front. And, you know, I, I'll never forget that from senior Matt Sergeant Wilson and senior Master Stark. Uh, very, very lucky to be around senior and senior that, that helped guide me very early. You know, that, that's, that structure uh, of the military and, and, you know, nothing goes further than, than, uh, just a wonderful enlisted officer, um, uh, that can help you, help you understand and yet knows the structure and how things are supposed to be like, you know, those were, uh, you know, I know in my time with the air force, it was those folks were amongst the most valuable people, right? I mean, there were people that had stars on their shoulders, but really we knew who made things run. Um, and you always need those advisors. You, you need people to, 
I mean, they're the ones that that find the nuance, that know that know people's uh, weak points and strengths, um, and have spent the time kind of in those trenches, uh, in those proverbial trenches with people. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a good reminder, that, and this is uh, true in organizations. You you always see that there's the formal and the informal leaders. The formal that hold, like in the military, hold a rank. They a certain level of perceived authority and influence based on their title and where they are in the hierarchy of the organization. And yet the informal leaders, those that really know the ins and outs and um, the receptivity of being open to mentoring and being able to, to teach and to help others uh, create success. I mean, that's just so in, uh, that's priceless in organizations. So it's great that you ran into them. So tell us a little about the, about the origin of ITC, IT concepts. Yeah, so, um, you know, after the military, I uh, had a great, uh, after Florida, I moved to um, the D.C. area. Uh, I was stationed at Defense Intelligence Agency, and um, uh, where I learned a lot of project management skills and just um, more, you know, my first summit was more on the technical side and, and learning fiber and so on and so forth and, and some of the leadership things that I talked about. And uh, moving to the D.C. area, it's just a way different environment than, than an operational base was. Um, and... Uh, you know, learn, learn more about project management, software development, some of that cycle. And uh, after getting out of the military, uh, I went to Booz Allen for, for a little bit um, where I learned about consulting. It just wasn't ready for the consulting space, um, but <laughs> knew that it was what I had to do uh, if, if I was going to feed my family yeah, um, in this area. When you, when you say uh, just wasn't ready, say more about that. Um. You know, I found I found um, coming out of the military, which was a lot more mission oriented, mm-hmm. right, and focused on on getting things done um, for 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 a mission related goal. I could not for a long time. I could not translate that in the consulting space. Um, I could not translate to see where the mission was for what I was working on, or or you know, it, it just didn't make clear to me what the end goal was for the teams that I was supporting, and it seemed just a little bit more superficial, to be frank. Um, and, and it, it took me a little bit to, to get used to that. And I, I made a switch, um, uh, from, from Booz Allen to then at the time, which was Northrop Grumman. Um, and I spent a little bit more time there about 10 years at Northrop Grumman where, where it, it started obviously early on making, making that, that, that connection. And, um, I, I could see what I was working on and I could see the mission and I could see just a little bit more of, of delivery of, of, of a product and, and where it was headed rather than um, just the team I was involved with previously. So the idea then of having, uh, you said early on, you know, having a sense of what the goal and the outcome was, is so important. And in the military, I think that's probably a little bit more concise and easy to understand. And if I want to hear from you, that's true. And then yes, moving sir. into and creating alignment around goals and mission as a leader now and, and in the position that you're in as CEO. Um, so there's that transition. What, what primarily would you say is, is key to success in, in, in moving from, um, you know, getting to a place of having a, a group of people, in your case, an entire organization understand the mission? Yeah, no, it's huge, right? So I think, um, like I said, uh, I, I spent about 10 years at Northrop, and then uh, I joined forces with Amy Johnson and, and John Trollinger, to, um, and we started IT Concepts from zero folks. And uh, very early on, that's, that's 
that's what we focused on. Unlike many small businesses, we were having strategy meetings with two people, with three people. <laughs> and, and, you know, where, where, and I still have those, those notes from, you know, 2011, um, and, and 2012 and 2010, where we're talking about, Hey, this is the kind of company we're going to create. We're going to be X million dollars by X number of years. And here's the overall strategy of how we're going to do that. Um, so I thought, I thought it was very important to strategize and, and, and make sure that that vision was communicated. Um, the other night there, we have an employee named Melanie Earls and Chris Earls, her husband was one of those early employees who now is no longer employed with us, but I had dinner with them the other day and, and, um, you know, we we're going over a little bit of our strategy from, from last year and we're talking about it. He's like, do you remember in 2011 where you came up and we had these approaches? And I was like, no, Chris, we, we needed that. We needed that foundation to make sure that everybody knows which way the boat's going. So we're all rowing the same direction. And, and he's like, well, you still keep that practice. I said, absolutely. Um, you know, I said it, now it's, it's more refined and more focused and, um, more aligned, you know, um, and, and that, that, that alignment, that misalignment I had seen in our business for, for a very long time, but I didn't know that's what it was called. Right. Um, especially the early years of IT concepts, um, you know, where like, Hey, we're going after lowest price work, but we're trying to claim ourselves as experts as well. And we just want to be able to win some stuff. So we're trying to be a staffing agency and you're just scrounging everywhere. Um, uh, and, and trying to stick to everything, you know, on the wall and figuring out which ways to align. But yeah, I would say that, that was the toughest part, um, very, very early on, uh, to, to keep not so much the strategy or the vision of where we wanted to go, but all the other things, um, uh, in alignment with that. Yeah. I know when, I, when Edgar, when I talked to Edgar about our work, Panak, and you know, um, your company is the one that, that is in my heart because we've gotten such a chance to, to just kind of be with you for an extended length of time. And, and, you know, I, uh, the story that I tell often is about us being there at an, at an early retreat and getting to the end of two days and talking about the OKRs that, that time. And then, you know, kind of that, um, unsettled discomfort that, that was the result of, of that work. I, you know, and I, I just remember sharing with Edgar, this idea of, you know, that was a little uncomfortable because, the stuff we did for two days didn't show up like I thought it was going to. And then, you know, nearly a year later when we have that same team and we do that same work and in that last three hours of the second day, when they said to us, yeah, this feels like we did this last year, but now we get it. Like I, you know, that, that was just such a, I, it, it was a pleasure to watch and, and, and an honor to be part of, um, to, to watch you all. But as you explain those early years and, you know, um, I think so many business people do this. Um, and this is why I love doing this alignment work with Edgar. Um, so many businesses do this, you know, we're going to be X millions of dollars by X year. And, um, you know, that becomes the, the main goal. And, and then I think, you know, once you hear and you understand that al alignment framework and, and you all as, as, you know, a, a technical services company, um, you know, you kind of, I think you kind of surprised people with, with which part of the alignment framework you were going to commit to. And, and that was really that work in that first year, right? It was kind yeah. of testing the commitment to see. Um, I, and I just, that was such an amazing, amazing thing to watch. Yeah. And I think your points are so, so powerful, Panakin, because so as we grow, 
as entrepreneurs, I think one of the rules of thumb is, is uh, uh, you know, get revenue, get revenue. And then you realize that if you look at, at the revenue you're generating, the question shows up, is it the right revenue? Right. Are we going after the right the right kind of business? So are we really aligning ourselves to what it is that we want to provide and are we getting the right customers to do that? And then to be able to see that, and then you're, uh, I think what's so powerful about your organization, what makes it work so well is your your commitment and your alignment through the organization to that customer experience. So uh, tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and your thinking about that. Yeah, so, you know, I, very early on, even at Northrop Grumman, I, I saw what made us very successful was delivering for our clients, delivering quality and value for our clients. Um, so that was always the focus when we started. Um, hey, you know, we're going to be focused on the customer and, and we will forgo profits and we will forgo uh, certain activities that are beneficial to the company to make sure that we deliver for our clients. Um, and, and that'll always help us win. Uh, so, you know, from the beginning, um, I've, I've always wanted to make a, make a, be part of an organization that was focused on the customer itself. And, and that is the one thing that, that was, misaligned in my company, uh, for a very long time. Um, because I, you know, that focus I thought was my main dish was what I was selling. But, in, and, and at the end of it, it, it really was when we look back at the company and what had evolved was more of an expertise culture. And, um, you know, we had, we had experts doing expertise work and, and that's how we tied ourselves. And, um, that you could see the misalignments in the two cultures in the tour and, and, pulling out a little bit until we figured out here's how we can get those two to work in concert. Um, so yeah, Edgar, I think, you know, for, for a very long time, I would say about two to three years, we, we struggled with it. Um, and, and I had always been on the hunt to find something that, that would help me align all of these things because I knew that, Hey, you know what, if, if we're going to try to tout ourselves as experts and still, um, tout the, the customer experience side of it, um, you know, at some point, one is going to have to pull a little bit harder than the other, and, and you can do both. But how how can you align it so make sure that everybody in the organization knows, hey, this is what our focus is always, right? Um, and and we struggled with how to do that for a long time. Benakin, can you uh, for our audience uh, explain how you intersected with Edgar in the first place? Yeah, um, it's so yeah, even before I guess Edgar. Uh, this uneasiness for me and, and, um, uh, what I'm calling now misalignment. Cause again, I didn't know it was at the time. Um, and, and not feeling a sense of accomplishment of where the organization was growing and going to, I joined, um, something called Vistage. Uh, and then hopefully, um, you know, your listeners know Vistage is an awesome, awesome, uh, CEO peer to peer group, uh, where you, you have, um, you have, a leader in, in, in the organization, somebody such as Edgar, uh, that would lead a group of CEOs that get together on a monthly basis to, to talk a, a lot about some of the experiences they have, the challenges they have, the opportunities, the risks, um, as well as they bring a guest speaker in. And, and that's how I ran into Edgar the first time. And, you know, it, for me, it was, I'll be frank, it was the me model. Uh, the me model goes up and I'm like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, this is this is why as a child, you know, just think, I mean, take this all the way back, right? As a child, when you're walking into America, you're not scared, you're excited, you do. But that experience helped. Now when I walk into a new environment, that 
you know, it took me a long time to realize, hey, it goes that far back. And then those past experiences over time shape who you are. And yeah, I think um, that along with obviously um, the true alignment framework itself. Uh, but yeah. And, and, and I knew right then. And then I remember, you know, coming back, I was like, I need to, I need to get an introduction to Mr. Mr. Patsy. I need, I need to send him an email. I need to, I need to get him working with me and I need to figure out how to do this. When you start yeah. those conversations, very you know, kind I, of you. I, yeah. well, I same same for me, Panakin, by the way, I mean, that was one of those things. Um, when, you know, I think, uh, you mentioned that me model Panakin. And I think when you put that, that me model and you give people, uh, when Edgar gives people the idea of it's okay to understand that it is about you. And then, you know, you talk about thinking about the customer. I, I think this is one of the challenges uh, for us in modern business is that, you know, in order to think about the customer, you do need to continue to be other focused and yet know that it is about you at the end of the day. Um, and I think, you know, that's a delicate balance for so many organizations um, to still figure that out. I, you know, I know as we continue to, to work with your folks, you know, that sometimes is, is the crux of, yeah. of the conversation is to realize that it is about them and they still, they still need to have something uh, in there for them and pay attention to your customer as the primary. Yeah. And that balance is hard. It's hard to find and keep for sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, and as I'm listening to you, one of the things <coughs> that that evokes, um, going back to your comment, Panakin, about really knowing yourself and knowing how your experience have shaped who you are and then seeing in those experiences what really uh, is uh, uh, really at the core of your being and how you bring that into your into your world as a leader and as a business leader, as an entrepreneur. And then that alignment piece that shows up that says, yeah, the, this is what I can focus on, give myself permission to do. And also, and across an entire organization, the conversations about what do we stop doing? What's not necessary? What customers are not necessary? What are good customers versus bad customers? And what do we take on? What don't we do? And to create space to really to be able to model alignment and, and do the things that are going to get us the best, the best performance. I think there's also uh, something else in what you said that I think is really important. And that is um, to see it through that, uh, to see it through that lens of, of experience and be able to really identify with a set of experiences and to see what the common thread is then throughout your work and throughout your life. It's, it's, it's great. Well, and, and um, you know, Panakin IT concepts is, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, this, this work of, of finding language, um, you know, exploring who you are and what you want your business to do is not a, it, uh, most people look for it like it's a, there's a magic bullet somewhere. There's a solution to all things. Um, but you've really invested and spent the time. Um, you've invested personally um, in spending that time with Edgar um, and, and with your team. And, you know, now as we start to sink down into um, lower parts of the organization, um, you know, that's where we're really bearing the fruit now. Um, but it is that consistency. And, and I think that is, um, I mean, that's a testament to you as a leader to to invest in your people with that level of consistency. And, you know, it's in the military, we call those things force fun. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's force fun when you do it once. It, yeah. 
people under, people start to understand it when they do it for extended lengths of time. And, and, and I think that's, you know, in my experience with the military, that was, you know, when we needed to train everybody, we put everybody in the largest auditorium we could find. We made sure we met the regulation and we were on our merry way. Um, and, and sometimes people could walk away saying, I survived that. Now I can go back to normal operations. Um, but, but the consistency of the alignment framework and continuing to come up is really, um, it, it, it's really, we're watching you all uh, grow. Um, you know, and actually, it's not, it's not just about financial growth. It's about, it's about confidence, actually. Um, I think I that's, that's been the amazing thing is you are, you are going in and, and, and you're in conversations because you're just clearly confident about, about who you are as a business and what you provide and what you do. Yeah, Ken, I think that's a very good point. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't look at it from that confidence perspective, but I absolutely see exactly what you're saying, right? Um, within within leaders in the firm as well, right? Um, you know, for example, we, we took somebody that was an expert in what they did. Um, and uh, I'm giving an example of uh, Brie Bordeaux, who came in as a growth officer, and she was a phenomenal at what she did and we're like hey you know what let's take you out of your comfort zone and you're so good at this lead our customer experience side of it and she's like what no customer experience for a services organization like we're not building a product and not no yeah customer experience for a service organization and um you know just watching the confidence a whole year later of, of what she's developed and how she's tackling that that experience and building personas for our customers as well as um, just tying all that data together to come up with, hey, here's how we can start servicing groups of our customers better. If we work on these five things or follow the customer model and, and check these gates and just, just you're absolutely right, that confidence in, in the team itself and, and that belief of, hey, oh, wow, I do see where this can make a huge difference and we can align our entire organization right behind, you know, these, these principles. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you think about confidence, it's and when you talk about Brie and and uh, her development over the last year and and where she's gone with it, it really is about moving past fear. Uh, you know that confidence is letting go and seeing the fear's attention towards possibility, not to not to yeah. shy away from it, rather step into it and say, yeah, okay, I'll take this on. And there's support and there's uh, and I think that has so much to do with it because of the level of engagement you have going on through the organization. There seems to be just a, an extraordinary level of engagement among the people in the organization to be able to, to build that confidence in each other and, and have the wherewithal to do that. Well, and words like yeah. safety and security come to my mind too, right. right? I mean, and I think that is the, you know, you put people in that uncomfortable space, um, not expecting to be the ace right out of the hole, but to be... Um, to grow into it and to learn. And, 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 you know, we all know that there's been some, there's been some rocky things. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that's, I mean, that's a testament to your leadership too, Panakin, is that, you know, rocky things are normal. They're not abnormal, by the yeah, way. They're just right. normal and we grow through them. And, and I think to provide right. that, that level of support, um, again, that comes to that kind of culture comes through consistency yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when we did the alignment work for the first year, um, and, and that first year things started to become evident. Hey, you know what? These here's the pieces that may not be fitting as well as you think they're fitting, um, uh, into the culture you're trying to create, into the organization you're we're trying to create. And, you know, it, it, 
it pulled at me because I am a very loyal person. I, 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 you know, hold that's the quality that I, I kind of pound myself on, um, the, the loyalty aspect of it. Right. But, but it, you know, like you said, those rocky, rocky moments is, Hey, is this just a rock or is, Hey, is this the mountain that I, I, I need to figure out how to get around or get over or whatever it is. Um, and, and, uh, it, it took me a while to, to understand that. And, um, the more confident, the more aligned things started becoming, it, those things started sticking out like a sore thumb and it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. We need to make some changes into the organi- organization. And um, going back, you know, making those changes, I thought that they would have some horrific effects on the leadership side of it, right? Um, actually, no, it gave folks exactly what you said, that sense of safety. Of, oh, wow, we're, we're willing to make the changes and, and hold to the direction we're headed. And, it, and, and it's safe to point out when things aren't aligned. Um, because I was getting some senses from the org- from the other leaders, uh, but I was like, uh, you know, we've got, we've got somebody at a high stature here. Let's, let's wait, let's wait. Um, but yeah, that, that, that helped me a lot. Um, that, that first misalignment move, I would say, and, and making that change. Um, you know, we, 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 um, things didn't work out with one of our business owners. And after that, another, another high profile leadership position and another business owner, it just, it seemed like, Oh wow, man, you know, we're, we're making some huge, huge um, changes. Uh, but, but at the time, you know, didn't see it, you know, making some of those subtractions, uh, the additions it would make in the team that we had. Um, and, and team, you know, how they could feel safe and flourish. Um, uh, another gentleman named by, by Tom Swardowski, you know, came in as an HR person, um, within our firm originally and just grew over time. And, you know, he just needed some chances, needed some experiences and, uh, has done phenomenal, uh, within our organization as well as, as, as the alignment work has started and, and kept going. And you can see him, um, where, you know, may have been a little bit risk adverse in the past. Uh, take on some more of those chances himself as well for his growth as well. So yeah, uh, it, it's been a it's been a great journey. So Panakin, do you need um, do you do you want to work with and do you need uh, a set of explorers to work with? Um, oh wait, yeah, because you know I, I see as, as as you grow and you take new people and they're coming from you know some of the other bigs as you guys call them. Um, you know it's it's funny to watch the puzzle. The, the, the puzzling on their faces when they say like, oh, like, you know, my other organization didn't do it like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there was a, they were so used to some consistency instead of the personal. Um, yeah. And so it's it's been fun to watch. And so I, it's, it's good to hear you say that, you know, you want those kind of explorers. I mean, that's always the, um, you know, I, I love working with Edgar because it is this idea that, that that's really what we get to do all the time. Yes, be curious and explore. So, Panakin, I've got the, we've got some a little bit of time still, and and so I wanted to delve into uh, really the uh, the more personal uh, element of of who you are and how you see yourself as a leader. And so, what are two or three things about your uh, about your experience about your experience as a leader that you would would uh, share with our audience to say, uh, look, when you find yourself in a leadership position, here's a couple of things you really need to be able to focus on to be successful, or at least from your experience, what it takes to be successful at, at your level, which is 
you know, when I think about um, uh, over the last uh, 10 years and uh, what, you've, what you've actually built and, and grown and, and uh, the success that you've had. So what are, what are two or three of those ideas or, or things that you hold to be so true? Yeah, thank you, Edgar. Um, and, and thank you for giving me a couple of minutes to think about that as well. Um, you know, I think um, uh, I put things like perseverance, hard work, and just um, keep going all into one as, as, as grit. Um, I, I would say, you know, there's a lot of times when things don't go right. There's a lot of times when, um, you know, you, you feel like you're going down a certain direction and, and, the, um, you know, Edgar and I chatted about this one time where I was like, oh, I'm going up this elevator and then all of a sudden it just dropped, you know, and you're like, oh, hold on. Um, so there's, there's times when things are like that are going to happen in your organization and, and you, you need to be able to have that perseverance and that grit to kind of work through um, that piece of it. I, I've never been the, uh, the, the smartest. Um, my son and I were talking about this yesterday, actually coming home from the game, much smarter than I was at his age. Um, and, uh, but, but I told him, you know, what, what's helped me in my career is, is that, is that grit, is that unwillingness to, to, to let go of an idea that I do believe in or, or a vision I believe in and then keep pushing. Um, the second thing I would say is, uh, uh, people, um, I, I'm, I'm very loyal to the folks that I work with as well as, uh, that I've worked with in the past, um, you know, uh, just because things may not work together at, at IT concepts because of a vision or because of a sense of direction. Um, I, I feel a connectivity with everybody that I work with um, uh, very much so where where I want to succeed together. I want to grow together. I want to um, be able to be able to tell war stories together in five, ten years of, of things that have happened. Um, and then uh, I, I would say, you know, the third thing that's that's always um, that's that's always helped me in my career, right there, uh, outside of that grit and people, um, is is the the solid foundation at home, uh, the solid foundation that that I have to be able to take the chances I've taken and being able to um, being able to explore as much as I've been given the, the chances to explore because of of um, not worrying about. Hey, how will I be accepted at home? Or how are things going to go at home? Or so on and so forth. So yeah, um, you know, didn't talk anything about you know strategy or any of those things. I would say those three things are really what what really helped me um, uh, uh, over over the years. Grit, loyal relationships, and foundation—just uh, security and a sense of well-being at yeah. at home, whether it's family and whatever those relationships are. sounds like you've also grown up in that kind of environment. You know, when I, when I hear the story of, of, uh, uh, you know, coming to America and, and, uh, and having that, that, uh, that certain quality, even, it sounds like even in the absence of your dad for a couple of years, um, before you, before you were able to rejoin here in the United States, that, um, it sounds to me like your mother must've just been awesome. Just absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah, she was. She is. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know from talking to you the pride of being able to take uh, mom back to India just recently, um, right? I mean, that's just so clear that 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 pride that you have in that. Thank you. 
Thank you, Panakin. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Edgar. Thank you, Ken. And thank you for allowing me to tell my story a little bit. Yeah, we love, I, we're so glad. Um, I've been, I've been poking Edgar to have you on for a long time. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we finally got some time with you, Panakin. Um, I, I know this is, uh, I know you're super humble, um, but the, the reality is uh, I think you're pretty amazing as a leader and so much fun to, to watch uh, you and your organization grow. So thanks for allowing us into that. Thank you. Thank you very much for the time as well. So if you'd like to follow up with us, uh, True Alignment, info at truealignment.com is the uh, email address. And you can just, uh, or you can just look us up and send us a text or a note. And with your questions, thoughts, anything at all, if uh, if I may, Panakin, if anything comes our way, um, that uh, that somebody wants to ask you a question, are you open to that? Absolutely, absolutely. So anything also for uh, Panakin Patel is uh, is uh, more than welcome as well. Yeah, you can find the podcast on uh, on our Podbean or at any of the major places where you download your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Um, we'd love to have you tune in. We'll be having more guests here in the future. Uh, I'm Ken Sagendorf. And I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time around on True Alignment. Thank you. <laughs>